You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV presents Chatting with Kathy. Sit-down interviews with Hollywood's leading actors, artists, and entrepreneurs. And now, your host of Chatting with Kathy, Kathy Kelly. Hello, everyone. Bing is for doing, and today we are doing another episode of Chatting with Kathy right here on AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Kathy Kelly, and today joining me is one of the most amazing people on television. I remember growing up with you, watching you as Carlton on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but you have amassed an impressive list of accomplishments from dancing alongside Michael Jackson to singing with Gladys Knight and Chaka Khan. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's incredible, you know, the career you've had and the longevity that you've had in this industry. But Alfonso Ribeiro, Ribeiro, sorry, I'm like getting tongue tied, um, is here with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. I have to say congratulations first off because your wife Angela is pregnant and about to have your first child together. You already have a daughter. Yes, I have a daughter, 10 years old, Sienna. And, uh, but we are so excited. Uh, my, my wife unfortunately has been sick for most of the pregnancy, so it's, <laughs> it's been a tough one, but still a blessing. Uh, you know, we're we're just over the moon about it and can't wait for our day to yeah. happen. Are you still making, like, those midnight runs to get weird foods? Like, You know, she because she's had a tough pregnancy, we, it's not a food thing. Yeah. Like, we, like she's, she's really, she can't eat a lot because whatever she puts in, her body takes what it needs and gets rid of the rest, and not in the <laughs> normal way. It comes back up. So she's had a, she's had a tough one that way. But no, no really weird... I think the other day there was one little weird like request for food. It was like, huh? But but it was still not like not what you hear, you know, not the mm-hmm. crazy crazy. But it's it's been good all along. Yeah. So <laughs> um, during this interview, I want to take it back to the very beginning of okay. your career. Going back, you're eight years old. You grew up in the Bronx, mm-hmm. and your parents. Um, are from Trinidad and Tobago. Yes. Did that have an influence on um, your life growing up? I don't. I don't know if that had an influence. I mean, you know, obviously my my parents met in New York. So, mm-hmm. b- but both sides of my family are from Trinidad, and uh, and so you know, it's really just I grew up a New Yorker. Yeah. That had you know parents and family from Trinidad, but but my grandfather was a calypso singer uh, called the Lord Hummingbird, and so uh, and it's very interesting because they always like on Wikipedia or whatever they have it wrong as the Roaring Lion or something like that and I'm like that's not right. I've heard that there are a lot of things wrong on your Wikipedia and your IMDb page. Yes, yes. For some reason because people can write in and Mm -hmm. change the information like people who just have an you know IMD Pro account will just decide to write something in and then all of a sudden it's in there and I'm not you know I'm too busy to like waste my time doing it I'm like who cares if they get it wrong but Wikipedia like most of it is wrong. So you go, well, well, why why does this exist if it's going to be wrong? Like, people yeah. just, like, refer to the Wikipedia. I remember I was playing in a golf tournament one day, and a guy, like, mentioned some, like, uh, I don't even know the word, but some, like, uh, uh, connection to some, like, mentally impaired thing that I was involved with. And I was like, Weird. what are you talking about? Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's on your Wikipedia page. Look. And it was, like, someone who just attached it to my Wikipedia page and, like... 
I'm doing interviews going, I am not connected to this. <laughs> I'm sorry. No disrespect, you know, but not in, not in, not connected. But but yeah, but growing up obviously in New York, um my aunt was a dancer. She did a show back in the 60s and into the beginning of the 70s uh, called Laughing, and that's where Goldie Hawn um, yeah. became popular. And, and so uh, he was a Calypso singer. My mom is actually a wonderful singer. Um, and so it just kind of was one of those things growing up in New York that I just was always singing and dancing and acting and playing the fool in the house. And my parents were like, you know, enough of just us seeing this. Let's let's put you out there. Yeah. Um, and and uh, my first audition was uh, for that TV series called Oh Yeah Willie on PBS. PBS. And, uh, and, and I got it like mm-hmm. right away. So it was like day one I started working. And so uh, I was really lucky to just, you know, obviously it was just perfect timing. But uh, but but to, to work from day one has been pretty cool. Yeah. And you went on from OEA Willie to being on Broadway, yes. the tap dance kid, mm-hmm. where it got rave reviews. I mean, I know so many people who remember that role. Yes. They're, um, they're all older. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was 1983, 84. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to get the title role in the tap dance kid was was pretty awesome. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, the, the process was kind of interesting because they had uh, five kids who all learned how to tap dance together. So it was like the five finalists and, mm-hmm. and whoever did the best would come away with the job. And uh, and I actually wasn't the best tap dancer. I just had the, the singing ability and the charisma, the charisma. as they said. Um, and, I, and I ended up getting the role and, and learned how to tap dance for like a year and then came out on Broadway and then that led... To, because I did a commercial um, for the Tap Dance Kid, which was directed by Michael Peters, um, who was Michael Jackson's choreographer. And uh, I did another uh, commercial with the director, Bob Giraldi. And and so when they were doing the Pepsi commercial, they were like, we've got a kid who'd be great. Yeah. I was like, really? All right. And uh, so there I went. I got the role and flew out to Los Angeles and, and shot the commercial with Michael Jackson. And you looked like the mini Michael Jackson. You had the leather jacket <laughs> on and Absolutely, absolutely. Had to look, you know, almost fro, <laughs> you know, the soft fro. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, and that was great. I mean, obviously meeting Michael Jackson and getting to know him and, and doing the commercial and, uh, uh, you know, I, I I could do all the moves already, so yeah. I didn't I didn't have to learn those. Did you ever struggle trying to balance being a kid, you know, doing your schoolwork, having friends, and being having this successful career in the industry? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've looked at it to you know one one real way. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, did I miss out on a lot of things in my life that other kids had the opportunity to do? Absolutely, um, but I also. You know, I had experiences that those kids never got or never will have a chance to get. And and so I, I look at it as a very positive thing because I got to do amazing things. But um but yeah, it's always it's always a balancing act. You know, it's like how do you explain to your buddies, you know, hey, I know you guys are all going to the park after school, but I've got to go home and do homework because I gotta go to the theater tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't really relate at twelve, mm-hmm. you know, so uh there was a different world there. But like I said, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to to have kids that like my understudies and tap dance kid, 
you know, they were kids also, so we hung out. And then when I came out here to California later after after that to do Silver Spoons, Ricky Schroeder and I, Corky Pigeon, uh, we became great friends. And so you had peers who were also in the industry in the same circumstance. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, we were on a, on a lot full of kids in the business. I mean, Todd Bridges, Gary Coleman, uh, Alyssa Milano. Uh, they were, you know, we were all kind of together. The whole Facts of Life crew. Um, so we all kind of knew each other and hung out with each other. And so you had, you know, people that you knew that that you could connect to um, that had similar circumstances. Yeah. So uh, you did several TV movies, and then you also had the difficult decision of choosing to be a regular on A Different World or doing the pilot Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. You ended up choosing Fresh Prince. So what what led to that decision? Well, I I, uh, I did a guest spot on, on A Different World, and, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, this is a great show, really fun. You know, it's on TV already, you know, it's successful, but coming into it, I felt like, you know, I would be that, you know, character coming in in season five that wouldn't be a focal point of the show. And not that I was going to be a focal point on Fresh Prince, but it could be developed. And, and I already knew Will. Mm-hmm. So I, it was for me pretty clear that this kid is really talented. Yes, he's not an actor, but he's got incredible personality. So, and he's a, and he's a hard worker. So, you know, difficult to make the choice on yeah. a pilot versus an actual series that once you did it, you were going to be working. Um, but I felt really positive about what the show was and the script and, and, uh, and made the choice. And, and I, I guess it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you made that role iconic, and I heard that there was actually the president of NBC mm-hmm. didn't want you for that role originally. Well, I, I had done the pilot, yeah, and and uh, Warren Littlefield was the incoming president, uh, Brandon Tartikoff, uh, who I think was amazing um, as the president of NBC. Uh, he was actually the one who signed me for Silver Spoons um, back in in eighty four. Uh, he was going. And so Warren was, was basically coming in saying, I'm going to make my mark. I'm going to say what, you know, make some changes that make it Do my some presidential thing. thing. Yes. I'm going to make some decisions. <laughs> and, uh, one of his first decisions was that he felt that I needed to be recast. And they mm-hmm. went out and tried to recast the role and, and, uh, the executive producers and Will and, and, and the directors and everybody all kind of felt, you know, this was a bad choice. Yeah, they all wanted and, to be there. And I think they, they, they kind of made it so that they had no other choices, um, to, to kind of <laughs> save, you know, that, that old Hollywood, yeah, yeah, we're looking for somebody. We seem to not be able to find anybody. Yeah. We can't see. Um, but, you know, they, they, uh, they went ahead and made it happen, and and uh, and and obviously I kept the role. Uh, and then like six weeks later, uh, Warren came onto the set and actually pulled me aside and said, you know, I want to apologize because I think you're doing an amazing job, and yeah. you know you have the full support of the network, and and uh, we we apologize for putting you through that because you're, you're doing an amazing job, and that was wonderful. I felt great about it, you know. But but going through that period of like, oh my God, I just lost my job. Mm-hmm. Why? What How happened? did you stay positive during that time? Well, you know, the 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 reality was is that that phone call came and then it also came with other phone calls from the executive producer, from Will, from other people that, that also knew what was going on and said, mm-hmm. but we fully support you and, and we think we're going to be able to get through this uh, with you still having this job. So they never said that, but they kind of, you know, made it 
made it clear enough that they were rooting for me. Yeah. Um, and that, that and that their support was all behind me, and that, and that was enough to keep me positive. Mm-hmm. And you brought so much to that character. I heard that in the script, it actually just said Carlton does dance, and you're the one that came up with the inspiration for it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, at the end of the day, it's like when you're creating a role or in the beginning, you know, phases of of a TV show, everything is new. How, you know, what, what what type of drink do you drink? What what do you, you know, how do you stand? How do you walk? Are you a singer? Are you not a singer? Can you dance? Can you not dance? You're creating all of these things and and for me, I always felt like let's you let's make the character something that you can utilize your talents to help bring that to the character. Um, but yes, it just said Carlton dances. And I'm like, well, okay, how would he dance? How would this character dance? What would be his move? What would be his style? And at that point, it popped into my head. You know, he's the whitest black guy on the planet. <laughs> so, you know, like even like Urkel was just like a nerdy nerd. He wasn't a white nerd. or yeah. black. He was just a, you know, a, a caricature nerd. But Carlton was actually more of a real person. Um, and I said, you know, let's make him... Let's make him a little, you know, a white guy. All right, so how would the white guy dance? And I went, all right, Eddie Murphy had this, you know, the delirious video where he had the white man dance, and the white man dance was that dance. And then Courtney Cox in the uh, Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. video jumps up on stage dancing in the dark, and Doing she does that, you know, <laughs> that dance. And I went, okay, that's the core of this dance. Now let's make it this, oops, let's make it the character, <laughs> breaking your table. Um, let's make it the character and, and make it my own. And that's what I did. And um, obviously people fell in love with it because even today I can't stop getting I heard around the dance. I get asked every single day, so I'm not even going to ask you. I remember trying to do that dance when I was younger and like I was the white girl version of the, the white oh, the guy white dance. Guy. <laughs> I couldn't even do it. When you were younger, you're a baby now. I, I what are you talking about? <laughs> When I was younger, you're still young. <laughs> um, so, on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, yes. you also had the opportunity to direct an episode. Yes, I did. Uh, which you became very passionate about directing and ended up going to film school. Yes. Uh, what was the decision in going to film school if you already had a, a career in the industry? Well, I felt like you know, there's there's having a career because you're on a TV show. And having a career because you've studied and learned the job. And yes, having that opportunity was important because the the hardest job to get is your first. And so being able to work that into a contract is always what you want to do if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, the show was ending. And I wanted to be able to go and, you know lay down my resume to do other jobs and jobs that I'm not already connected to and I felt like it was really important for me to really learn the the art of directing and really what it entails the lighting you know working the cameras understanding how the cameras work loading a camera editing Um, what you learn in, in film school is that you actually work backwards you don't work from the script to the editing room, you work from the editing room back to the script. So if you understand how this thing is going to edit, now you know how to shoot it, now you know what you need in the script in terms of writing, you know what everything is. And so um, for me it was really important to learn all of the the technical side of, of directing because I had done it just from the creative side. Yeah. You know, being on set your whole life, it's like, okay, you stand here, you move here, you know, it's choreography. Well, that choreography needs to also be choreographed with the cameras and understanding how that 
how they work together and the lighting and you know and 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 obviously in sitcoms it's it's less technical you know the 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 whole set is already lit you're not lighting specifically for a shot um understanding your lenses how 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 does one lens make someone look better than mm-hmm. another lens um and and uh, and understanding all of that helps you create your own style in as a director there's a lot more that goes into it than just yelling action and cut. Action and cut is literally the last part of that's it. That's I mean, what you see as a yes, outsider. That, that, from the outsider, action! Yes, I'm the <laughs> boss and I look good doing it. No, it's, it's, it's all that other stuff that you have to do that you, that people don't really get to see. And, and, and the reality was is that I had a, I had wonderful directors on Fresh Prince, on Silver Spoons that I, that I learned from. Um, but, but you, but you can never learn everything that you can learn in class. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, I felt it was important to do that. Yeah. And you went on to direct other shows as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you did four episodes of Shake It Up. Uh, uh I've done, uh, he... no, I've done, I did five, so I did five? six, okay. seven episodes Multiple. total of, okay. of, of, uh, of Shake It Up. And, uh, you know, I've done, um, uh, a bunch of different shows. I mean, it, you know, it just keeps rolling every yeah. year. I'm trying to do more and more and keep it going. What do you think of the the next generation of stars? Since you kind of had similar roles where there was dancing and acting involved. Well, I, you know, I think you know the girls that are that were on Shake It Up. I mean, obviously the show's not coming back, but uh, but Zendaya and uh, and and Bella Thorne are wonderful little actresses. Um, I say little, even though they're taller than me. <laughs> um, but uh, they're wonderful actresses, wonderful dancers, and uh, you know, excited to see what they're going to do in their careers because uh, you know it's really it's really wonderful when you see that kind of talent you just hope that the families and and I know Zendaya and, and and Bella both have you know wonderful families, but you know it's really so important that the families take a major role, uh, even into the young adult years, mm-hmm. not just the teenage years, uh, because that to me that's the key um, to lifelong success. You know, it's 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 interesting that you know Amanda Bynes, what's going on with her yeah. is like you know. Her parents were kind of void for a long time in her life, and um, you see Bieber, and the parents are not really involved. And um, it's it's amazing what has happened to Miley, you know, since her parents got a separation. Right, things start happening, and that home life is so important to to what goes on in your in your life as a young adult. You know, regardless of whether you're an actor or a singer or whatever, uh, or just a regular kid, that home life. Really is is the is the you know the base uh, yeah. the for for all that happens later for for these young adults and I think it's so important that they uh, that that the parents are involved and was it your home life that you attribute to having the longevity in your career and staying grounded absolutely I mean my, I always say this my dad was a cop <laughs> okay if I messed up I <laughs> boy uh, but you know but he was but he was understanding he was you know uh, we talked we communicated wonderfully you know my dad was also my manager and so there was many of there was basically I would say we had three different relationships we had father son where I obeyed we had you know client manager where he obeyed and and we talked and then we had a friendship where we could share uh, what was going on in our lives and what we thought and what we felt and um, and so we had a great relationship and I really do owe everything that I've gotten in my life to my parents you know uh, I wouldn't have any of this without the support and that strong base and home life that I had with them it was it's everything for you know I think every young adult um, moving into whatever business or career they want to do that home life is super important mm-hmm. now that you are a father has your daughter expressed any interest in 
and being in the industry? You know, she has. Uh, I don't think she's ready for the hard work. Um, she she works incredibly hard um, as as a gymnast. She's uh, she actually won state last year in Tennessee, mm-hmm. which is where she lives um, in her division. And she's mag- she's just wonderful at gymnastics. And so uh, she does the hard work there. Um, but it's hard when you when you focus so much on one thing to be able to see yourself doing it in everything you do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she's fully ready for that. Um, in terms of herself, for herself, but she's wonderfully talented. She sings, she plays piano, she dances. Um, so th- there's a time when that will, might come for her if she desires it. Um, but I, I, I think we're, we're not there yet for her yeah. only because it's, it, it really is tough work. And she, when she's come to set and watched me, um, work when I've been directing, especially Shake It Up, it, it's like, she's like, wow, this is actually, <laughs> It's a lot of work. Like, you know, you get told no more often than yes Yeah. Um, in this business. And and a lot of people are not ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in society as a whole, um, you know, people people are not ready for, for no. You know, I, I, was, I was listening especially to Especially a child. Especially a child. But, but, I think, but I think really what is happening is that the adults today are not capable of saying no or dealing with no. I was listening to a radio program the other day and, uh, and, and they were given this, this advice and, and a woman came on talking about how, you know, her, the, the father of her kid is no longer around and she's dating and she didn't feel comfortable with this man in her life who'd been there for three years disciplining her son. And I was like, and, and, and the radio announcer was like, no, no, I totally agree. Like, don't let anybody discipline your son. Don't let him do that. And I went, whoa, t- that's so wrong. First of all, when I grew up, it was, it took a village. Yeah. Right? The concept of it takes a village is about understanding that you need several people in that kid's life to be able to tell him no. Because guess what? In the real world, there's going to be a lot of people telling him no. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't learn how to deal with it as a kid, he's never going to learn how to deal with it and he's going to be a spoiled adult. Mm -hmm. So we have to start understanding that and I think it's it's so interesting with young people because it's really not young people's fault. I never blame a child for what happens to that child. I blame the, the adults that are around that child. And so we, we, we really need to start educating our adults that get rid of the ego. By the way, you might not be the best parent. <laughs> it's, a, it's a possibility that the way you actually, you know, parent isn't really that good. I love people's excuse when they say, well, there's no there's no handbook when you get a child. I was like, there are so many books out there on well, how to raise a kid. There's no handbook because there's no one way yeah. and there's no there's not one type of child, but there's enough reading to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um there's also enough to understand that if you if you utilize the people that are in your life. We all know what right and wrong is. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's never changed. So if your kid is doing wrong, is it necessary that only you tell him it's wrong or should anybody who knows what right and wrong is should tell him it's wrong? Mm-hmm. Because when you're an adult, guess what? It isn't your parent who is going to sit there and tell you you're doing something wrong. It might be the police. It might be your boss. It might be your coworker. And how do you react to that? You're not preparing your kid to be an adult. And I've always said, because, you know, my, my, my ex-wife had a daughter and I was coming in as a step-parent. Here's what's interesting. 
Your job is not to be a friend to your child. Mm -hmm. Your job is to get that child ready for being an adult. So rather than allowing our feelings to get involved, how about we figure out what's the definition of a good adult? Let's paint a picture of what we think a good adult looks like and then work toward that. Yeah. And that becomes a little easier, in my opinion. <laughs> These are my opinions, and I've got some opinions. <laughs> You're so Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> my opinions on Afterbus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we are in that day and age of the short lived celebrity, the 15 minutes of fame. Do you attribute that to people not wanting to put in the hard work? Well, I, I mean, there's, a, there's many reasons to, <laughs> to that. Uh, I think. Uh, Today, being a celebrity isn't isn't connected to hard work. Being a celebrity is sometimes, especially with reality TV, it's being it's, it's connected to just being crazy or wild or willing to do whatever it takes to be famous, and you will do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, celebrity in in this decade isn't celebrity in the eighties. Right, because it just it it's not based in anything. Mm -hmm. You can become, uh, and no disrespect to to the Kardashians or to Paris Hilton or any of them, it's they're famous for being famous. They're not famous because they actually have a specific talent. Their talent is they have this personality and they're willing to put themselves out there, and that's what makes them famous, which is its own thing. Not everybody's mm -hmm. willing to do that. And I have to respect them for what they do. But that's not what talent has been based on. It's been based on can you sing? Can you act? Can you dance? Yeah. What can you actually do that is considered a talent? Um, so because of that change, there's a, there's a different world. <laughs> do you get upset because you are so multifaceted and talented, like you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're an actor, you're a host now, yes. a director. Um, do you get upset at those people that are... You know, I don't I don't get upset because I, I look at everything like, hey, if you're able to be successful doing what you're doing, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not mad at anybody for doing what they do. Yeah. And I think, you know, people get upset with that because they're like, what about me? What about like this? Me they're messing up my life. No, just keep working hard at what you're doing. Yeah. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about them, what the next person's doing. Do you. Mm -hmm. So I'm never upset at that. I'm, I, you know, I'm. Uh, I actually co-hosted with Chris Jenner uh, a few weeks ago, I saw that, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I don't look at, at what they're doing as a negative. You know, look, more power to them. You know, if they're creating success for their family and and their children and their children and their children's children, good for them. You know what? Like, why is that wrong? There, that that is that has happened for decades, right? How many kids of entertainers? end up being famous again, mm -hmm. right? Well, isn't that nepotism? How many executives of other executives end up running their, their father's or their mom's business, right? Or do we, do we look at that and say, well, that's wrong. Why should he have this opportunity to run his parents' business? Mm -hmm. We don't do that. What we do is we talk about it when it's in show business, right? We talk about Jaden Smith because Will Smith is pushing Jaden Smith to on the world. Well, Okay. That is their family business. Th they're better they prepared. Do. They're prepared from <laughs> when they're young. Yeah. Absolutely. They have seen this world. And at the end of the day, they can't get out of that world. The kids have no choice to be in that world. So why not, if they're actually good at it, give them their opportunity? But we only look at that in show business. We don't look at that in the real world. We don't look at that when it's a law firm yeah. and, and the son 
comes up and he goes to law school and learns how to be a lawyer and then takes over the business and runs up through the system faster than that other lawyer who's not connected. Well, guess what? That's the way the world works. Yeah. Sorry if the, if you weren't born into that, but that's not the person's fault. It's like breaking stuff. I like breaking stuff. It's not that. Use person's your hands. Fault. If you're I, I talk. About I talk. It. I'm almost Italian. Um, you know. So it's like, how, like, why is it that person's fault? It's not. It's not. It's not Jaden's fault. Yeah. That he was born to that family, but actually, Jaden is talented, right? So. Why not give this kid his opportunity? I love and why that doesn't why don't why won't the world just accept that like it's not Will Smith pushing his kid on the world. It's Will Smith giving his kid the ability and the option to be what he can be, utilizing what he's already learned. He kinda has some info that most people don't have. So Jaden is growing up and Willow's growing up with more info than the rest of those kids. That's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. And you don't and I would say to anybody who has a problem with that, well then Okay, did your parent help you at all in anything? Mm-hmm. Did your parents give you an opportunity? And you must say no to that. You must say no if 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 my dad has a cleaners and and I'm taking over the cleaners business, which gives me an opportunity. No, you can't do that. Can't do that business. You need to go do something else. Really? Yeah. My mom prepared me as a scientist my whole life, and then I chose hosting. So now you can you can argue. You can argue. <laughs> um, so getting back to your career. Yes, uh, <laughs> enough about all this other stuff. See what happens when I talk about kids? I go off on a 10-minute tangent. Um, <laughs> you had never really thought about hosting before, but you were presented with an opportunity for Catch-21. Yes. Where you ended up filming this game show 40 episodes in eight days. Um, a lot of people outside the industry don't really realize that acting and hosting are two completely separate entities. Absolutely. Did you find any challenges in that? Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge for me started with my voice. Like, you don't realize how much you talk <laughs> on on those shows. Like, when you're acting, you have a certain number of lines, and, the, and that's how much you're going to talk that day. Well, when you're hosting a game show, you're talking all day. And when you're shooting six of them in a day... You're talking all day, um, and I mean, I, I did I did a show called Your Big Break for Dick Clark Productions before Catch Twenty okay. One, but it wasn't it wasn't like Catch Twenty One. That was 21. more like a, a X Factor. Yes, American it was. Idol it, yes, yeah. it was more like that, and it wasn't as much, and it was really kind of just the ins and outs. Whereas that show, uh, Catch Twenty One, was just. I mean, I talked. Every day. I mean, I, I had to go to the doctor constantly and deal with my voice. For, and, really? Yeah, because I mean, I would lose my voice. Wow. Because you know, you're shooting six episodes a day, and and you're and you're day after day after day doing that. There's no way to talk that much and not lose your voice. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that talking is actually harder on your voice than singing. So so it's so I, that was the biggest issue. But really, the the greatest thing that that job taught me was was understanding gameplay, understanding how to you know navigate and and keep things moving uh in the game and so uh it was a great lesson for myself to then obviously now take me to Spelmageddon where it's like it's wonderful that I have this this information and now I'm comfortable in it and I can allow myself on Spelmageddon to just let it fly let it have yeah. fun and 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 let my personality ride while still keeping the game show moving yeah, and I'm excited. We're going to get to do a challenge yes, from Spelmageddon in a couple We're minutes. We're going to see your spelling skills, girl. 
or lack thereof. <laughs> um. I'm with you. I couldn't. I, I would have no shot. I could never be a contestant on my own show. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about all of the accomplishments that you have in your career, um, everything that you've done. Are there further goals that you hope to accomplish? Um, I mean, I think there's there's always goals. I don't. I haven't. I haven't really spent time going. This is what I want to do. I mean, ultimately, I enjoy everything I do. I enjoy my acting. I enjoy my hosting. Um, I enjoy when I'm directing. You know, I enjoy when I'm actually writing and and creating. I have a partner, and we create uh, TV shows. Or, you know, we're we're in the process of going out and trying to sell one. And wow. so, um, so for me, it's it's all around. I, I I love what I do. I love all that I do. And uh, and so for me, it's really I'm on this journey day by day, just moving forward and uh, looking at at what's the next opportunity. Uh, for me, it's like it's the world. It's all out there. It's for me. It, wh- wherever I can go, it'll be wonderful. Yeah. And in addition to everything that you do, you also take the time to give back to the I community. Do. I know that you've worked with Fresh. Fresh, Fresh start. start surgical gifts. Yeah, we we uh, that it's I'm the the national spokesperson for the charity, and uh, what we do is we basically we do anywhere between six and seven hundred surgeries a year, um, and we find kids from all over the world. We fly them actually down in San Diego, and we give them plastic surgery to give them a, a fresh start in life. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have these little kids that have these facial deformities, you know, we're we're such a image based society that you know when you see a kid that has, you know, a scar or a cleft palate or, you know, uh, their, their, their dentistry is, you know, teeth are all messed up and, and whether it's, you know, genetic or, or by accident, um, it's incredible to see what happens for these kids when they have their face put back together and they look wonderful and they're mm-hmm. pretty again. Um, their and, confidence and just they're, skyrockets. I mean, they're, what they're able to do in their life is unbelievable. I mean, we have... We have a we had a, a little a little girl from uh, from Asia, and uh, the story was that that uh, her dad thought that her mom had cheated um, because the baby didn't really look like him, mm. and uh, he took a machete to the family, and so this little infant was cut up, oh and you know we we flew her to the states and and we put her back together. I mean, at the end of the day, That's and uh, I think you know, fifteen or sixteen surgeries later, uh, you know, she was a wonderful little girl, and mm-hmm. and 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 like I said, we do anywhere between six and seven hundred surgeries That's a year, incredible. doing that, and uh, you know, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I had the opportunity when I did celebrity duets, um, when I won that, uh, I was able to give them a hundred thousand dollars, and and uh, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful charity. But if anybody is looking to to give, uh, fresh start surgical gifts dot org. Uh, go check it out. See what we do. It's amazing what we do, and uh, uh, so proud of all the doctors. And, and it's all you know. All, all of our surgeons um, donate their time and their energy, and, and uh, it's 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 wonderful. Why is it important for you to give back? Um, because I feel like I'm so lucky. I really do. I feel like I've had such a wonderful career and wonderful opportunities. Um, I feel like you know there are so many people who do not have the opportunities in life to find their own happiness, to to end up in a place where, you know, they can move forward into their life and and, and like I said, we're such an image based society that that to give these kids an opportunity, you know, to to feel beautiful, 
you know uh, everybody is beautiful but when you feel it when you look at yourself in the mirror and you feel beautiful the thing that the things that you're able to do uh, is unbelievable yeah um, and and to me it's it's not it it really isn't about the exterior it's about what's inside and I think that's that's what really you know has kept me with this charity for you know almost a decade now um they're they're just they're just so wonderful and i meet these kids and um uh, whenever we do any of our galas or auctions and and uh golf tournaments we it's just you get to meet these kids and and boy they're amazing yeah i love that um so when you're not hosting giving back to charity <laughs> all this stuff um when you do get free time mm-hmm. what are you doing i know you golf a lot i golf i golf <laughs> is that it that, that's it that's like <laughs> my wife says you know she she learned how to play golf because i am like she'd like she'd be like i'm a golf i'd be a golf widow Right, I'd, you'd be off playing golf every day, and I would never see. Has she so, gotten good? Yeah, you know, I actually taught her, and when she first started playing, she was shooting in like the one twenties. I got her into the nineties. So, and but then once the baby, you know, bump started, yeah. she had to put the clubs Can't away for a swing. little bit. It's kind of hard to swing when the belly is, you know, in the way <laughs> where your hands need to be. Um, and so she's so small that she's all belly. What's your um, score normally? I, I'm a I'm a one handicap, okay. so I, I shoot low seventies. Wow, a lot. That's impressive. A couple 60s. How did you get into golfing? A couple friends of mine just was like, yo, let's go play golf. I was like, what's that? I had no <laughs> idea what it was. I had, I'd never heard of golf growing. I mean, you know, when you grow up in the Bronx, it ain't yeah. like, you know, you're going to go to the golf course. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, guys, let's go to the golf course. I'm going to play, play 18 holes. I'm 18 today, you know? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm playing, you know, I'm shooting hoop. I'm playing baseball. Um, but but at the end of the day, like, I, a couple guys, they were like, yo, let's do this. I was like, all right. Uh, we went to the driving range and and... I was hitting the ball over the fence. And they were like, dude, come on. You know you've played before. I was like, yo, I've never played. I've never even held a club. Beginner's luck. I was like, how do you hold it? And they were showing me how to hold it. it Right. Well, you know, I do an overlap, which is different than, like, some people do the interlock. Yeah, I cross my fingers. And so there's a couple different ways. Uh, Jim Furyk does the double overlap, which is really what I ended up going to. Um, And now I'm back to a single overlap. But... You know, they told me how to hold the club, and like, you know, it's like this. You got to keep your left arm straight, and then I'm over the fence. Now, sometimes it was over the fence, sometimes it was over that fence, and sometimes <laughs> over that fence. Uh, but but then I got into it, fell in love with the game, and and then continued to get better. Uh, took took some lessons. I wish I'd have taken the lessons earlier because mm-hmm. then I got better earlier. But uh, but took lessons, and then my handicap just dropped. I just like really understood the game aspect of it, and I just love it. That's so cool. Played yesterday, I'm going to play tomorrow. So, golfing <laughs> is a challenge, and today we are actually going to do a challenge from yes. Spellmageddon. Nice segue! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what have you got for us? Um, we have some fun stuff. We got, uh, we, what I'm going to do is, uh, we're going to, we'll, okay, so we play the game. Yeah. I'm going to give you words to spell. We're going to put 60 okay. seconds on the clock. And as you're trying to spell the words, which is what our game is, mm-hmm. we we try to dist- distract the contestants. Now, on our real show, we we distract our contestants. We have a game called Zapped, mm-hmm. where we you know attach some things to them that will zap them with electricity. Yeah. We have a mic that shoots water in their face. Uh, <laughs> blue icy slush gets dumped on their back. We get uh, fire stings that go off. There's one what? game, the dunk tank. We fill it up with ice. Then we fill it up with water. We let it sit for like 15 minutes so it gets really cold. And then we shoot balls at the target while they're trying to spell. Every time the ball hits a target, we dunk them into the water. And they (laughs) 
trying to spell. And it's like you take these people who are really good spellers. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are champions. Some of them are like people who have like, you know, second, third place in their in their spelling bees growing up. And it's incredible to watch their reactions while mm -hmm. they're trying to do this. They're typically laughing or screaming or whatever. We've got one game, which I think is fun. We put them on a big fork, right? And we attach them to this fork. And there's a big pie that sits there on the stage. <laughs> and rather than pie in the face, we do the face in the pie. As they're trying to spell. So they're just getting slammed into the pie. That sounds like my a, kind of challenge. It was totally fun. We put them on, we put one where we put them on this board and we spin them around and we give them a meal. <laughs> we give them a meal. We've got these cannons that shoot the meal at them, you know, so they, you know, they, they, spaghetti and meatballs, salad. What Ice a delicious Sundays, way to right? potentially win $10,000. I'm saying, all you got to do if you're hungry in the middle of spelling, <laughs> you just open your mouth, you will get some. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it's so much fun. I think of the show as more of a comedy show than mm -hmm. it is a spelling show or, or game show um, because it really is just funny. You laugh your way through the hour. I mean, for me as a host, it's like the, the most fun I can have working because yeah. ultimately it's like I'm laughing all day long. So... You're up. Are you ready? Do you feel like you can do it? I told you before, I get a little nervous when I'm doing challenges. Right, so. but this is easy. This is easy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get these words. Okay. Right? Penny's going to bring me these words here. Okay. Right? We'll put 60 seconds on the clock okay. when we're ready. Um, in the studio, they're going to try to distract you. They're going to shoot some stuff at you. Okay. Maybe, so you're, you're not going to know what's happening, but yeah. we'll have some fun with it, okay? So as soon as they get all this stuff ready, we're going to be ready to go to play the After Buzz TV version of Spellmageddon. Okay. And you guys know where this is. This is on ABC Family yes. on Wednesday nights, 9, 8 Central. Let's put some goggles so we don't want you to, you know. Mom, got, don't you know, judge me. Beautiful eyes. We don't want to mess those eyes up. Woo. Okay. So are we ready? Do we feel good? <laughs> Are we set? And they're, they're rushing right now. They're like, oh, we're trying to get it ready. I need we thought we were going to stop. <laughs> How do the goggles look? The goggles look good. Yeah. They look good. Really, it's about making sure that, you know, you don't get hurt. Okay. Right? And we don't want to hurt anybody. Right. That's the most important part. Okay. 60 seconds on the clock. We're going to go and that says, here we go. And first word, diaphragm. D-I-A-P-H-A- <laughs> Uh, uh. That's incorrect. Uh, Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Hieroglyphics. H I R A P H. No, I got that. Uh, incorrect. Psychedelic. 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 P S Y A D E L. I see. Incorrect. All right. <laughs> One a little easier. Believable. B E L I E V A B. Uh, I got to move. <laughs> no. Believa. B L E. Even though you went backwards, I'll give you that. Believable. And that's 60 seconds. So, you got one correct. You only attempted four words. But wow, that that's intense. a great looking mic you got there. Thank you. <laughs> you can take the goggles off okay. now if you want to. I'm going to test you. No, you're not. How do you spell Kathy? <laughs> Kathy. Uh, C-A-T-H-Y. <laughs> awesome. You got it right. <laughs> now, I had to go with that because I it was know, right there on the board. I on the screen. I actually didn't look. I will say that I didn't look. 
But I did see it earlier, so I knew it was a C, not a K. That was so much fun. I can't even imagine how the actual people do it. I was going to yeah. take a sip of my water, but it's a little well, bit I, silly stringy. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> sip this. So I'm going to be a gentleman oh, and give you my you. water. Thank you. Because I didn't take a sip of it yet. And uh, so, uh, but, but how much fun. It's yeah. a fun show. Uh, you know, ABC Family, uh, Wednesday night, <laughs> uh, 9, 8 Central. Uh, it's so much fun. I think, you know, everybody who watches the show just totally loves it. And uh, we need y'all to watch. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> so you segued great into our shameless plug section. People now know where to watch Spell again. Yes. Where else can they find you? Um, they uh, well, hopefully they don't try to find me at the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's what's. I mean, obviously, you know, all my reruns are on, but uh, but ABC Family. That's where you got to find me. Okay. Every Wednesday night. And you can come f- on shameless plug. Come on, ABC <laughs> Family. Nine eight Central Wednesdays. Do it. Do Spell it. Mageddon. Should I say it again? Spell Mageddon. <laughs> Spell Mageddon. Spell Spell Mageddon. ABC Family. Spell Mageddon. <laughs> Wednesday, nine eight Central. Okay. Well, you can find all Chatting with Kathy episodes on iTunes and YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at Catherine Kelly. Find Alfonso on at, Twitter uh, on Twitter at at Alfonso underscore Ribeiro. Awesome. And you got to remember, it's R I B E I R O. Got to get that e right. E before I. E before I when it's after Alfonso. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us <laughs> Thanks, today. It Kathy. was so much fun. Awesome. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.